try to treat every decision you make like it is 2006. That's that's the best advice I could give. That if if somebody talked to you in 2006, now I don't know how old you are, but let's just say that you, <laughs> you had a lot of real estate holdings in 2006, what would you have done differently? And maybe you would have done nothing differently. I know I would have done a lot of things differently. There were a couple of things I did wrong, a lot of things actually. One was I had short-term loans. Don't do that. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. It's been eight years since the Great Recession of 2008. Interest rates remain low, recovery is sluggish, but how does this all affect where we are in the market cycle and how do we continue to find cracking deals? We're discussing all that and more, but first, you know the drill. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US, an Aussie's guide to US real estate, the number one podcast geared towards helping international investors break into the US market and start buying cash-flowing deals. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Today on the show, I'm very excited to have with me Kathy Fecti. Kathy is a hugely successful real estate entrepreneur. She specializes in teaching people how to build multi-million dollar real estate portfolios through creative financing and planning. She's passionate about all things research related and loves sharing what she's learned about, about real estate, market cycles, and the economy. She's also the author of the number one best-selling book, called Retire Rich with Rentals, and she is a frequent guest expert on CNN, CNBC, Fox News, NPR, and CBS Market Watch. G'day, Kathy. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Ah, oh, thank you. I'm doing great. Good, good, good. I, I'm so glad to have you on the show. I've been wanting to have you on for a little while now. But before we dive into the nuts and bolts of today's show, can you give us a quick rundown on your background and how you've you know, built such an awesome network of people, investors, your show is really hugely successful. So give us a bit of a brief uh, overview of, of, of who Kathy Fecty is. Oh, I planned all of it out. <laughs> and <laughs> no, I'd say almost all of it was by accident. Right now, we have an organization that is uh, has 24,000 members and growing. Wow. I think we had over 400 new members just this month. Uh, so the word is out. And basically, most of my time now is spent on managing that growth and making sure people know what to do when they when they jump out of the stock market and into real estate. There's a whole lot to learn, right? So how did we become an organization with 24,000 members doing everything from single family home rentals to large land developments of 42,000 <laughs> lots? Uh, it started, again, just totally by accident when my husband was uh, told he had six months to live. He had melanoma and it looked like that had spread. And uh, we were really at the top of our game at the time. He had just come out with his book called Extreme Success, which is based on all his extreme sports, uh, jumping out of helicopters and surfing hurricane waves and stuff like that. Um, kind of talking about what it takes to break through fear to achieve your your dreams. But he never, ever thought he'd have the fear of dying early, you know, 
and we had two small children and I was a stay at home mom. We just bought a big house. So kind of went from the top of our game down to the, the lowest point in life just very, very quickly. And so kind of goes along with my theme now, which is understanding market cycles and that, you know, that often happens when you're at the peak, you could be at the bottom pretty quick if you don't uh, know what's coming. The doctor was wrong. And that is the good news. Rich is healthy as can be today. Healthy as a horse. That is good, good news. But at the time we didn't know, and that is terrifying. And the medical bills just ate up all of our savings. And here we sat with this big house and no money. And um, we had to make some hard decisions. I didn't want to leave my children. I wanted to you know, be a stay-at-home mom, but I, I needed to figure out how to make money doing that. And I had, at the time, I, you know, I had two assets, basically. I had this huge house, and which felt more like a curse than a blessing, you know, with this huge mortgage payment. But I also had this radio show because my past had been in broadcasting and I wanted to be, again, a stay-at-home mom, but I kept the radio show that made no money, but I did it for fun on um, KNEW in San Francisco. And, uh, and so I thought, okay, what, how can I use these resources? Well, when Rich went rock climbing went for the weekend, I mean, you know, if you had six months to live, you'd do a whole lot of fun things, right? right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, he, that's probably, if it really was terminal cancer, I think that's when he would try the wingsuit, you know, <laughs> <laughs> why not? Um, so he went rock climbing and he came home to a house that was completely filled with tenants. I rented out every nook and cranny of our home <laughs> and you know, it was awful. We had to wait in line to go to the bathroom. I had, I put in one case, four students in one room. <laughs> And they each paid $600 because I gave them food too, but we, we made it through and we made our mortgage payments and, you know, we, we, we got the, the, you know, desperate times, desperate measures. Right. But at the same time I had this podcast, well, it was a radio show. So I directed that to uh, just one focus. And that was how do I make more money <laughs> and how do I get these people out of my house? Um, you know, how do I create passive income? And I just started interviewing successful person after successful person, millionaire after millionaire who had done it on their own. And, um, and I learned. And so that took off and grew because it turns out I wasn't the only person who wanted that information. So <laughs> <laughs> that's how it started. Awesome. Well, you are one of the leading you know, experts in the field uh, of real estate investing. I do know that. I've been, as I said, I've been following you for a period of time now, but it goes back to what I constantly go, talk about on this show and that's you know, making sure you prioritize education and you're, you're in the space of educating. I'm in the space of trying to educate other people. So talk to me about how that has really steamrolled your credibility uh, and your business, because you're not trying to sell people something. You're just trying to help them learn about, you know, real estate investing, right? As you said, take, make, making the, the move from the stock market into real estate. Yeah. Well, you know, at the time when I started, it was pre-podcast, you know, it was uh, all, the only place you could really get information was from books or from real estate groups. And, and back then that's when most real estate groups were just selling boot camps and education, but it was outdated and it was expensive. And usually people didn't implement it or do anything, or it just didn't work in that market cycle. And so because I had this show and it took off, I mean, um, it really became successful overnight because people were finally getting the information they so craved, you know, and then my husband, the brilliant sort of early adapter that he is, he found out this thing called a podcast and he took my show and podcasted. So I was one of the very first on iTunes 
And at first that didn't matter because no one knew what that was. <laughs> but eventually that's how we got our Australia connection. I mean, I had uh, listeners in 24 countries almost overnight. It was amazing. So what happened in that time frame was all of a sudden we had this, we entered the information age. And so all these RIAs that were just selling outdated materials and taking 50% of the profit um, for you know information that really wasn't very usable for the most part, that just got eliminated because of people like me who were like, nah, I'm just going to give this to you for free. <laughs> and so I would go to these events and I would I, literally, I, I remember this one couple got on the stage and we're talking about how to do foreclosures and knock on doors and this and that. And and the guy next to me was like, I, I am a foreclosure expert and they're, the, the stuff they're telling is not true. And so he raised his hand to challenge them. They took a break and escorted us out. It was, it was that bad then. And guess what? Those people aren't in business anymore thanks to the information age. You can't pull that off anymore. Um, so that's kind of been our foundation is to offer education, help people. I mean, really, it was driven by my own desire. I wanted to learn it. So I brought in only people on the show and to, I just started having my own live events. You know, if you can't give real true information, then I will. And so we, you know, invited real experts to our events to tell us what they were really doing to make money and they didn't sell anything. Uh, they had nothing to sell. They just share their information. And so, um, you know, once again, that grew till what I discovered through their help is that we, we were in a massive bubble. Um, this was back in 2004, 2005. So these wonderful speakers were like coming to our group saying, you, you got to sell your California property. There's a massive bubble. And uh, they were buying in Texas. And so that's that was when Real Wealth Network and I learned that there was this thing called market cycles. And, you know, not just one U.S. real estate market cycle, but lots of, you know, thousands of cities that have, you know, different market cycles and all cycling at different times. So in 2005, uh, California was in a bubble, but Texas was not. It was 26% undervalued. And so people who listened to our advice would sell their properties at the peak in California, and we'd help them exchange them into properties in Texas that were, you know, they could sell one property in California and buy five in Texas and quintuple their cash flow and, you know, and avoid the bubble burst. Awesome. That's awesome. I, I did so much, so many questions. I come from that, you know, uh, but your huge congratulations on your, all your success. And if anyone is listening out there, just take note, value your value yourself and value education that people are putting out there. And it's readily available for free. I know when I first moved to the United States, stuff that I would have paid top dollar to a guru in Australia was readily available in a book or for very cheaply online. And that information age is hugely important to us. Now it's what we do. We podcast, we educate people. So, mm -hmm. so make sure you, you listen to that. If you are thinking about trying to scale your business, uh, a little bit wink, wink, nudge, nudge, nudge. Um, but mm -hmm. Kathy, this show is all about educating instant national investors about buying US real estate. And the topic of today's show is really about understanding where we are in 2016. It's Q4, quarter, the fourth quarter of 2016. It's been eight years since the big recession. Interest rates are still low. Recovery is sluggish at best. Where do we stand from a 30,000 foot level? What's where we are right now? What are we doing? And we'll, we'll, we'll dive a little bit more deeper into, into different markets and stuff like that as the show goes on. But give me your sort of 30,000 foot level of what's happening right now in 2016. 
Yeah, sure. And I love talking to Australians because uh, they're willing to take risk and jump in and, and um, you know, they, they don't hold back, but you know, there's a, a positive and a negative to that. In that, um, you know, I've seen a lot of Aussies jump into stuff that, that hurt them. And you know what, they get back up and they just keep going and you know, it, it doesn't have to be that hard. So right where we are right now is the same thing. It's, it's like going back 10 years ago, we have massive bubbles in the U S and we have areas that are just at the beginning of their boom. So, you know, Americans have this opportunity to sell their properties in the bubble markets and exchange them tax deferred, uh, for the areas that are, that are just starting to, to take flight, you know, and I would say Australia may fit that category in terms of it could be absolutely perfect timing to sell a property there and, in, you know, buy a bunch in, in America that cash flow much better. Now, the exchange rate isn't anything near what it was. Uh, I mean, man, we had, <laughs> I was invited to speak to a group of a thousand Australians in 2010, and I had no idea how quick they would be to respond. I, I literally was flown out, spoke to a thousand people, came back home and they were knocking on my door. <laughs> they were just showed up. <laughs> and, uh, and so we, I mean, and, and for good reason, their exchange rate was unbelievable. They could, our, our real estate was 25% of its former value. And then, you know, add the Australian exchange rate, they were getting properties here for 10 cents on the dollar. It was insane. And, and it's changed. Um, it's changed to where the, the benefit to being an Aussie right now is the cash flow, because, you know, maybe you're not getting that deal that you could have gotten before on the purchase because of the exchange rate, but what you're getting is American dollars on the cash flow. And that's exciting. That's really exciting. I mean, that's basically doubles their cash flow or whatever. I mean, it's really good. So, um, and I, I don't know, doubles the right term, but it, it's good. So where we are in the U.S. is you've got to proceed with great caution. Um, we see a lot of Chinese investors buying in the bubble markets, and I don't know why they're doing that. Um, you know, you look at what they're doing in, in Vancouver, uh, Canada, and it's it's such a bubble from Chinese money that... Um, I, I just, it's not going to be good for anybody. Um, what I've heard is that foreign money is just looking for safety, but is that, is it safe? Is it safe? I, I don't think so. You know, not, not in, not in the bubble markets. So, you know, the key is as always to, to look at fundamentals so that you don't lose money and, and the fundamentals don't always necessarily mean super high cap rates, although we like those. It, but it, it means that you're in a solid market where the, the fundamentals and the numbers make sense because here's, you know, I, I, I've had so many economists on my show. Some are just total doom and gloomers and some are like, everything's fine. Nothing's going wrong. Um, but what we know and everybody knows, and I hate to repeat it. I'm sure you've heard it many times, but, you know, we have a massive bubble from quantitative easing and from low interest rates. And that bubble has shown itself in mainly the stock market, um, which is then intensified by the fact that our largest, our second largest generation now is pulling money out of the stock market because they're retiring. And the younger generation, the largest population in the US, the millennials, they're not anywhere close to in replacing the baby boomers. They're not going to be investing in the stock market. So the only ones investing are companies buying their own stock and a few foreign investors who have no other place to go. And so that is going, that bubble is going to burst. And, and how will that affect real estate? 
um, just the way it did, it, just the way it always does. It's going to affect those who are invested in the stock market. So you've got places like San Francisco and New York, they're going to get clobbered. They're already in a real estate bubble. Now you have a stock market crash around the corner. When that happens, real estate's going to be affected. So I wouldn't touch those markets. Um, you know, that's a, those are markets to sell, 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 sell. Any markets that might be tied to the stock market, um, you know, they're going to get hammered. Whereas you've got these other areas that really have manufacturing jobs. They're doing stuff. They're building stuff. They're creating things that people need and want. And those areas won't be affected. So you've got to look at jobs and the kind of jobs and, and know that the high end is probably going to get hit the hardest this time. Right, right, right. Interesting. And so what are you, what markets are you investing in? You, you talked about the, the tier, what I like to call tier one cities in the United States, New York's, San Francisco's, LA's, you could, you could say, you know, mm -hmm. some, some are transitioning out of uh, tier twos into tier ones, i.e. Austin, Texas. Um, mm -hmm. But what are you, where are you investing right now? Well, you know, there's a few things I really like. And mm -hmm. one is I, I, I follow demographics and changes. Sure. Um, there is massive change happening in America. It is crazy out there. <laughs> I don't even know what other countries think about us right now. I mean, we are headline news. It's, it is freaking <laughs> Saturday Night Live re reality show every day. It, but it's unfortunately not <laughs> comedy. Right, right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> It's, it is pretty funny comedy though. There's some good stuff out there. Anyway, um, so where am I investing? I'm, I, I follow the demographics and that, that is, there's a massive demographic shift happening and it will affect the economy for the next 40 years probably. So you got to follow it. We have baby boomers dying and we have millennials creating and forming new households. So um, what does that mean? Uh, it, it, I, and when I say baby boomers dying, I mean, you've got Mostly they're retiring, but a lot of, you know, there's like a, a million a year that will be passing on. Um, so how will that affect the economy here? 10,000 baby boomers retiring, retiring a day, every day, and they want to be either near their millennial children. They want to be by their grandkids, hoping to have those someday. Um, they want to be in kind of vacation style homes uh, or, or areas that are affordable and have no state income tax. So very popular places are going to be Texas and Florida. Um, there's going to be other markets that fit that too. I think the Carolinas and, and so forth, but we're really focused on, on Florida and Texas because the fundamentals are there. Fantastic. Awesome. And yeah. what type of investments are you investing in right now? I know I've been following your success for a period of time now. I get your emails. You sound like you, I think I saw the email the other day, you've got some land in Costa Rica or something. I thought, I, I thought mm -hmm. that, was, that was awesome. Um, but what are you, what, what asset classes are you mainly investing in? Anything that makes money. <laughs> <laughs> We're opportunistic. Right. Awesome. <laughs> you know, the, we follow the cycles. So, um, hey, you know, back in 2004, 2005, we were buying brand new homes in Texas. That was our thing. And the reason for that is there was, um, they were cheap. I mean, we could... We knew that there was a new freeway going in that would connect Dallas to this little town called Rockwall. Uh, Rockwall was adorable on a lake with hills, beautiful homes for $130,000, brand new. But it took you an hour to get into Dallas 
because you had to go around the lake. But we knew that that city was creating new infrastructure that would make it a 20 minute drive. And so, you know, we help people sell one property in California and exchange it for four or five of those brand new little properties in Rockwell for 130 to $140,000 that rented for, you know, $1,500 a month or whatever. And, um, and we just, you know, we knew that was a great opportunity then, um, new homes. But then when the whole U.S., you know, became one big foreclosure buying frenzy, that's where we focused too. It was like, oh my gosh, you get these homes for so cheap. So we switched our focus to foreclosures. And then all of a sudden in 2010, like I said, I, I started to have developers come to me and say, we can't get loans. We've lost our shirts. We have nothing. We're starting over, but we are really good developers, <laughs> you know? Trust me. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, they knew, like they knew, oh, so-and-so, this is literally what happened. I, I would have one developer come to me who was like, my friend just lost this piece of property in Florida um, to foreclosure because their, their loan just disappeared. They couldn't finish the project. But I just went to B of A. I found all the documentation in a box. I went to the, uh, the bank and said, I'd like to buy this, this, this land. And, and the bank was like, what do you want to pay? You know? And he's like, I don't know how about $300,000, you know, <laughs> sure. It, we knew it was worth 6 million. You know? Right. Right. That's <laughs> so awesome. It was amazing. So then, then we bought land like crazy in 2010, we were just buying land and, and now, and, and foreclosed subdivisions. And, and now you fast forward, what are we doing today? Um, today, the, the biggest, problem that you see in the headline news is the absolute opposite. We're at the opposite end of the cycle of where we were just five years ago, where in five years ago, it was nothing but inventory. Now we have inventory issues. So building is big. So, you know, again, we're partnering with a lot of builders, syndicating, um, putting up new property in areas where there's not enough. Um, so that's, that's a big, big thing we're doing. We're also still in areas buying single family homes. There's a massive de demand for single family homes. Um, we're helping people buy single family homes because they're new to investing. And that's a really easy way to get in, you know, just getting used to the concept of real estate investing with a single family home rental in the, in really good markets where it still makes sense. And there's very few of them. There's very few, but there are a few, there are some markets where you can still get unbelievable double digit cash flow. Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, parts, some parts of Chicago. Uh, we're actually looking at Detroit for the first time. We've got a team out there. Pit, I think I said Pittsburgh and Houston. And yeah, we've got a whole like 15 areas that we are uh, actively and we have teams there who find the properties, get them fully renovated, get them rented and are able to sell a turnkey right. rental property to to investors. Right, right. And are you working in any sort of the commercial space, multifamily? I know I talk a lot about multifamily on the show, mm -hmm. a bit of mobile home park investing, that sort of value add uh, cash flowing you know, model of you go in there, you do the work, you increase rents, you reduce operating expenses, you, you, you then you know, increase that NOI and that NOI then increases the value of the property. So you get cash flow and you get value add. So are you looking at any sort of opportunities like that? I, I assure you, I'm sure you are, right? When they come to us, we love them. Um, we haven't had anything wow us for a while. Um, so, you know, if, if, hey, if a great deal presented itself, we would jump on it. Um, the problem is there has to be really 
there just has to be a lot of safety in it. Let's just right. put it that way. So, right. um, so we, we actually bought a, a way ridiculous building. You'll laugh at me, but, um, we did a syndicate. We, we just had a syndication where we bought a $150 million Whoa, apartment nice. across from, I know it's across from Google and Mountain View. <laughs> it's stupid. It's 2% cap rate. Wow. Um, so, you know, you, you're like, why? Um, and the only reason <laughs> we did that is because it is a low rise building in an area that is desperate for housing. And so it's like a, a three story, three to four story building there and lots of parkland. And I'm sorry to say that parkland is going to be units soon. So we're going to be, um, you know, basically we just submitted plans to put in, I think it's like 800 units and there's only 200 units there now and the city loves it. So um, what I love about that is we were able to buy an apartment that's, uh, I don't know if you want to say cash flowing, I mean, it's 2% but it's paying for itself while we go through the re-entitlement process. And that's, 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 that's hugely important to have that, uh, again, value add. It's just you're adding value in a different way by shifting paper, I like to say. It. Uh, my background's in structural engineering, so I know all about the re-entitlement phase. And that's a lot of things people don't talk about on podcasts. Um, so how have you been having success with your re-entitlement? I know up in the Bay Area, um, particularly around Facebook and stuff, they're, uh, they're pretty strict with the old, the old city councils and what you can and can't do. It's ridiculous, <laughs> but at the same time, I only, I, I don't want to act like I am an expert. What the only thing I'm an expert in is picking the right people. So, um, you know, when I, when I'm working with a developer who's done it, you know, for 30 years with that, you know, in that market, um, and they have to be really far along in that process. Now with this, in this case, we knew we bought, we paid top dollar for this apartment and. We knew it wasn't, you know, for the cash flow, but it is literally walking distance from Google headquarters in, in Mountain View. And we already knew that the city of Mountain View was only designating about four locations for, for redevelopment. And this was one of them. So we knew that going into it. Fantastic. That's incredible. Yeah. And and I get, it goes back to what you, you explained in the market cycle before that we are in a cycle right now, part of the cycle where inventory is low in, in, some, in some markets and where it makes sense to build you are building those 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 uh, those buildings. So, are they typically tier one markets, Kathy, or you sort of are you, would you be building in a tier two city uh, at this point in time in the cycle? We 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 don't care about tiers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> tiers of joy. We're looking for tiers of joy. Um, yeah, just no tiers of pain. Thank <laughs> you. Loss. Um, we don't need to do that. I I uh, work with, like I said, I, I partner with developers who really don't need to be. Um, uh, learning, yep. <laughs> they're, not, yep. they're in it for the money, and um, and so they they only pick deals that are slam dunks, basically. Yep. So it doesn't. I don't. I don't care where it is. Sure. I just know that they, um, you know, they're picking the right side. So so uh, we're very active in Reno, Nevada. Mm -hmm. I don't know what tier you would call that, but <laughs> what I see happening there is massive job growth with the new Tesla plant, new Google, uh, Amazon uh, switch. I mean, just they have so much job growth and not enough housing. So um, we're we're we just bought two hundred lots there. This is this is a great, awesome, awesome story. That um, I mean, sad, kind of sad, very sad for the person we got it from. But they they found the land. They went through the entire re-entitlement process. It took forever. As you know, that can happen. Um, in the process, they got a hard money loan. Uh, that hard money loan came due and they had to fire sale and we got the, we got it. So we got the land for what it cost before all the entitlements were in place. And, um, 
And so it's fantastic. And when we, when we closed on half of it, so I had, I, this was scary as a syndicator, you know, I, you find a deal and you got, you, you tell someone, I'm going to, I'm going to raise the money for you. You better be able to raise that money, you know, or you lose the deal. Well, this was $8 million and I hadn't done that. And we had to raise it in like six weeks. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. And so, but uh, we did it. And, um, and, and then we were supposed to raise a second 8 million for the second part of it, but that wasn't going to have to be for a while. Um, and so the day we closed on the first part of the land, um, KB Homes came to us and said, hey, we want to buy half your lots. And they offered to give us more than we paid for the entire thing. <laughs> so we would have had our lots, our hundred lots, um, free and clear. But um, during the negotiation process with them, we found that the lots in Reno were going up every day. I mean, you know, like the, the deal that they offered was really, really great when they offered it, but by the end of the month, it was no longer a good deal. And so, yeah, I mean, that's what's happening in Reno. It's nuts. And, and, and I guess it goes back to what you said before, um, understanding the job creation, which is going on in a particular city and that if you value that, you make sure you're keeping your eye on that sort of stuff, mm. you are going to be better, um, what's the word, you know, in a better stage if something does come down the road, i.e. a crash in the stock market that will affect real estate. Mm -hmm. um, so Kathy, we don't have a crystal ball. If we did have a crystal ball, we would, you know, we'd all be very, very wealthy. But where are you, what are you seeing? Are we thinking another crash has been eight years since the last one. Is there going to be a softening? What do you think is going to happen in the next, you know, two to five years time, given what you've been talking with your guests on your show? That is a fantastic question. And it's funny. <laughs> well, you know, back in 2006, to me, it was so obvious that California was in a bubble, mm -hmm. but I didn't know, I didn't really understand the subprime thing. And I didn't think it would take down the world economy. Um, you know, so, so it's hard to predict. I, I, I was right on with California cause that was just obvious. I mean, I was a loan broker at the time and, and, uh, you know, I'd have people come in to get a loan and I, I could give it to them on a teaser rate at just a barely a portion of their actual payment and qualify them on that. And I would look them in the eye and say, you realize this is going to adjust to a normal payment and it is more than you make. <laughs> You're not going to be able to make this payment. And, and they go, that's okay because I'll just refi then and take the cash out. And yeah, I mean, it was just like the, I knew something was ridiculously wrong. Um, and that was easy to read, but today it's like, it's so covert and it's, it's so manipulated and, and goodness knows, we don't even know who our next president's going to be. And that's just a scary concept in itself. And, and so it's really hard to predict, but what we know is there are no fundamentals in the stock market that can't continue. Um, will the, will the fed raise rates if they do, and they're threatening to do it in December, but they've been threatening all year and they haven't, but if they do, then we'll, we'll experience exactly what we experienced last December, which was a stock market crash. Um, so, you know, we're in a quandary, like we need to raise interest rates, but that will bring the recession that needs to happen. You know, it's, it's kind of like fires, you know, forests need fires, but nobody really wants it to happen. I live in a fire country. I don't really want to be in a fire, but you know, nature's supposed to have fires and markets are supposed to cycle. It's just supposed to happen to keep everything in balance. You can't have things go up forever. It just doesn't work. So we know that we're due for a recession. We know that the government doesn't want it to happen and is going to try to prevent it and eventually won't be able to. So 
I mean, I've got Harry Dent coming on my show saying that it's going to happen in the, you know, next year, a massive crash. I've got other economists saying, oh no, it'll be a soft landing. But I can tell you from history, all I can tell you is that in the last four decades that I've studied, there's never been a soft landing ever, <laughs> never, right? Right. No, you, you completely you hit the nail on the head there. There's never been a soft landing. That's that's yeah. That's kind of interesting because everyone always what's the million dollar question, right? What's going to happen? When's it going to happen? So, is there any advice to people for for my listeners out there, Kathy, that to try and if you're getting involved in the real estate investment game now, how can you hedge your bets to make to you know be able to ride through if a, if another recession does hit in the next two to three years? What would what would your advice be? What asset would you recommend picking up? It's such a great question. This is what I tell everybody after I talk, after I give talks at real estate investment groups and, and they all turn white and they just want to run out of the room and throw up. You know, It's like, oh man, the world is falling apart. Then I, then I bring them back up softly <laughs> so, and say, just try to treat every decision you make like it is 2006. So that's, that's the best advice I could give that if, if somebody talked to you in 2006, now I don't know how old you are, but let's just say that you, you know you were you had a lot of real estate holdings in 2006. What would you have done differently? And maybe you would have done nothing differently. I know I would have done a lot of things differently. There were a couple of things I did wrong. A lot of things actually. One was I had short-term loans. Don't do that, because if the liquidity disappears again, you won't be able to refinance. And and so with a lot of um, commercial buildings and apartment buildings that, you know, have short term loans or two or three year notes, just be careful because, um, it's not even so much that there's anything wrong with your project or you, it's just that there may be no liquidity, no banks will lend you. And that's why I was able to go in like a vulture and pick up properties back then because I could raise money and banks wouldn't lend it. And, and all these good projects went to foreclosure. So don't be in short term loans. I was in two of them. Rich and I actually had to hand two properties to the bank because we were in construction loans on two properties. The, 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 the banks weren't giving out any more money and we were stuck, unable to refi. So we didn't have the cash to pay for both properties. So we lost them. Um, so that's one. Number two is if your property doesn't cash flow today and you, you own it simply because you hope it will appreciate in value, then that's a bad idea. And I, I did the same thing. I was telling everybody in 2006 to sell your California property. What did I do? I kept mine. <laughs> I, I did not sell because I was emotionally attached to our home and I lost a million dollars for that. So, you know, that, you know, emotions should only go so far. Our property appraised for 1.8 million and it was worth 800,000 a, a few years later. So, um, you know, don't hold on to property thinking that it will continue to, to gain value. I've seen a lot of people doing that. They're buying property because they're like, oh my gosh, it just, the, the appreciation rate here has been 20%. So, you know, and they think that's going to continue. It won't. Um, so the, the people who survive these kinds of recessions really easily and effortlessly are those who look at fundamentals. I know I keep saying that, but you know, the best example I can give you is my mother's pastor who over the life, the course of his life or like 30 years ago, he and his wife saved their money and bought little rental properties in Northern California, bought 10 of them on a pastor's salary, you know, so it can be done. He just saved enough money for a down payment, got a loan and kept doing it until he had 10. So by the time the recession came 
and he was retiring. He had 10 properties paid off um, and, and that were that were rented. Now, in 2007, that was the first wave of baby boomers who retired, and most of those people had their money in the stock market, and they went to retire, and their money was gone during that stock market crash, whereas my mom's pastor had 10 homes paid off because he had bought them 30 years prior, you know, and just paid off those loans, and what happened to him? Sure, he, he lost some equity. The property values went down, for sure. It was a massive recession, but but his income went up because there was such a demand for rental property because everyone was losing their home that he actually, rents were going up and he was actually getting a raise every year. And so, you know, it, he based everything, his portfolio on the cash flow. He wasn't selling those properties, so he didn't care that he lost equity. And today he, that equity's back. So just when you buy, if you're buying for, you know, an apartment or, you know, a, a rental, just make sure that you're near jobs that are not too tied to the stock market. Um, you know, manufacturing jobs are great. Be near that. I mean, again, Texas, man, there's such a job diversification there. That's fantastic. Like you mentioned, Austin can't get as high cash flow there, but you've got jobs, you've got jobs and that's important. Um, if you're, if you're flipping homes, please don't get into a long-term deal. I wouldn't do any long-term deals. I would try to get in and out quickly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Well, this is all very good advice, Kathy. You've absolutely given us some incredible golden nuggets. Uh, one last question I might have to ask if people want to continue the conversation with you, where do they reach out to you at? Uh, you can join our network. It's free realwealthnetwork.com and we don't spam. We don't sell. I just want to make sure that's really clear. And we have this little really new cool thing where you can choose which emails you want to receive. So you never feel like you're getting anything you don't want. So when you join, you just go to realwealthnetwork.com. There's a massive amount of educational information there. Our higher level education, our academy has interviews with CPAs and asset protection specialists and, you know, my, you know, all the, the teams that I work with personally. And we make those, I would say that's my greatest strength is taking complicated investor type strategies and simplifying them. And that is a whopping $10 a month, um, which we, you know, it's kind of almost embarrassing. Like, why are we even charging at that point? But um, it, 100% of that goes to our foundation and goes to charity. So, uh, our goal is to have 50,000 people paying $10 a month for this high level investor education. And we'll be giving away $6 million to our, uh, you know, the charities we believe in. Wow. That's incredible. Kathy, I can't thank you enough for coming on this show. You've provided us again, as I said, some awesome information, uh, give us an update on the real U S real estate market, where we're headed to, and really uh, understanding those fundamentals, right? Making sure those job creation is there, making sure that you're near good jobs and, and well-paying jobs and, uh, you know, valuing cash flow. I think that's, you know, as the, as the markets change, if you're valuing those sort of three, three things, uh, you should be able to wear uh, a recession a little bit easier than some other people who, who aren't doing that and hoping for appreciation. Thanks for dropping by and chatting with us. Have a great rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. Another great episode jam-packed full of awesome investing advice and actionable steps to start helping you build cash flowing wealth here in the United States. Just a bit of a recap on what Kathy had to say. 
Remember, I'm always talking about cash flow. If you value cash flow, you are going to be able to you know, ride out a recession so much easier than someone who values appreciation. Do not value appreciation. Don't think your property is going to go up in value by 10% every year because it won't. And there's going to be a recession. There's going to be a correction. And in those times, that's where you need to value cash flow. Looking at the fundamentals of a market is so important. Job creation. What is happening with job creation in a particular market? Texas and Florida were two of the markets that Kathy were investing. I invest in Texas. I also invest in some other states. Uh, she was talking about Pittsburgh. I did look at the Pittsburgh market. I also invest in Philadelphia. I am investing in Kansas City. Those are markets where I like to call them tier twos, uh, tier two markets. Um, they have good affordability. They have good job creation, and that can you know you can create a lot of cash flow. And if you, as I said, if you value that cash flow, you're going to be able to wear a recession a lot better. All right, guys, if you do want to do any of the links we mentioned on today's show, you want to catch up with Kathy, you want to have a chat with her, whatever you want to do, go, go to my website at rsmpropertygroup.com. Uh, all the show notes will be up there. Just remember to click on the podcast tab. While you're there, sign up for my newsletter or hit me up um, about my wine and cheese networking events in downtown LA. And remember, if you are in the LA area, I do love meeting up with other real estate investors, whether you're getting started in the game, whether you're a seasoned investor, you want to you know just chat shop, whatever it might be, hit me up at read at rsmpropertygroup.com. Uh, just let me know when you're coming through town. We'll hook up for a beer, a coffee, lunch, whatever. Thanks again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your real estate investing knowledge because that's what we're all about here on this show, continuing to grow your financial IQ so you can start buying cash flowing US real estates. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by just searching Reed Goosens. You can tweet at me and I'll always tweet back. If you do like this show, it's pretty easy and simple to help me out. Just jump on iTunes and give the show a five-star review or give what Whatever, whatever star you, you think is deserved. Um, but that will help show iTunes that we're providing some awesome content here and that you guys are valuing that content. Guys, we're going to do this all again next week. So take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing. Happy investing.